Sermon 38 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. And be not drunken with wine wherein is looseness, but be ye filled with the Spirit, talking among you in psalms, praisings, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to our God and Father for all things, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being subject one to another in the fear of God. We have seen this morning how God is offended when men abuse the benefits which he would have to be applied to such end as he hath showed by his word, and therefore that all excess and drunkenness ought to be shunned of the faithful, because they know that God showeth himself a father towards them by nourishing them in this world, howbeit not as when they shall be come to the heavenly heritage, but by having at least wise some taste of his goodness, for they be continually confirmed in the hope which is given them by our Lord Jesus Christ." Now if, instead of being drawn upward, men become so brutish as to lose all reason and manhood, it is an utter perverting of the order of nature, it is a defying of God for his own benefits. But yet, when drunkenness draweth a long tail after it, and men flush forth into all lewdness, so as they be past all shame, and yet their shamefulness may make folk too loathe and abhor it, the mischief is increased so much the more, and therefore to the intent to keep us in sobriety and orderly conversation, St. Paul saith, we must keep ourselves from being so overcome and vanquished of wine. And now in the contrary part he addeth that we must rather be filled with the Spirit, for they that burst themselves so well with eating and drinking, and keep no measure, till they can no more, do well show that they have no feeling of the kingdom of God, nay, never tasted what the heavenly life is. This remedy, therefore, is right convenient to correct all the excesses and superfluities that reign among heathenish men, and such as never conceived any inkling of God's grace and spiritual benefits. Like as if a man that were empty should devour and swallow up all without chewing, it were rather an overlaying of his stomach than a taking of sustenance and repast. And therefore, if any man saw that vice in him, he would restrain him, even so is it with all such as have inordinate lusts, it is a token that they be too empty. And whereof? Of faith, of the fear of God, and of the joy which is in the Holy Ghost, and that they know not a whit of God's goodness and favour towards them, nor of the grace which he showed us in our Lord Jesus Christ. For had we once our bellies full of such victuals, surely we would not play the wolves in ravening, but we would rather keep measure." That then is the cause why St. Paul saith that we must be filled with the Holy Ghost, as if he should say that the despisers of God and such as have none other religion but to live at ease here and to have all their delights and pleasures are excessively full beyond all reason and measure. And this is a defiling of God's benefits and a despising of the order of nature, as I said afore. Now then, if ye be so sharp set to know what God is and what it is to profit in his word, come your ways to devour it as they do, which have eaten no meat two days afore. Be not afraid of eating too much of that food, for it will never burst our souls. Therefore let us hardly cram ourselves with the gifts of God's Spirit, and with his ghostly benefits, whereby he feedeth us in the hope of the heavenly life. For in so doing we cannot do amiss, but we cannot give head to our lusts in taking food for the body, but there will by and by follow some evil and offence." 
The matter which we have in effect to remember upon this strain is that all they which glut themselves after that fashion and cannot satisfy themselves but by playing the beasts show well that they have not so much as one drop of faith, nor of the fear of God, nor of religion in them, but that their belly overruleth them, and that they be so subject thereunto as to their peculiar and principal idol. Now seeing it is so, let us learn to long after the food of our souls, and forasmuch as it is liberally offered us from day to day, insomuch that it is God's whole desire that we should have all that sufficeth for our salvation, let us sharpen our appetites to take such repast, and then shall we be sure that our other meats shall not allure us to such gluttony, that we shall become as unsatiable gulfs, but we shall be contented with the having of that which is meat for us, and sufficient for our necessity, at least wise to our behoof. Furthermore, this similitude which St. Paul useth must not be thought strange when he saith that we must drink our fill of God's Spirit, for we know that the prophet Isaiah saith that God's Spirit is likened to water and to milk and to wine, whereby we be invited to come unto God, to take our repast, and to have whatsoever is behoofful for us. Come on, saith he, and take at your pleasure both milk, wine, and water, without money or money's worth. Hereby, therefore, God declareth unto us that we shall have abundance of all spiritual benefits, and sufficient to content us to the full, if so be that we will but open our mouths, as it is said in the psalm, and not be so forepossessed of our own inordinate lusts, as we cannot find in our hearts to seek the principle. That is the further meaning of the similitude that St. Paul useth here. Now, forasmuch as this doctrine is so ill put in your everywhere, we ought to think the better of it. If a man consider how great emptiness there is in them that profess Christianity, he shall find that they can scarcely say three words to yield confession of their faith, for had they any in their hearts, surely their mouths would utter it according to this saying, that we believe with the heart unto righteousness, and confess with the mouth unto salvation. Howbeit, if we be desirous to be filled, we need not to be counselled to go seek the things that we need. We need but only to receive the food that is proffered us, and set afore us. Yea, and this serveth well to upbraid us with our lewdness, in that we vouchsafe not to go unto God, though he call us, nor to make account of that which he offereth us. We will not forget to eat and to drink for refreshing of our bodies, and yet that will not content us neither, for we could find in our hearts to gobble up, as you would say, the whole world. Yet notwithstanding, even the soberest are willing to have their ordinary repast. The other sort do cram in meat and drink a four or five times a day, and in the meanwhile the wretched souls of them are hungry still. Therefore we must bear in mind that the warning which St. Paul giveth us here telleth us that to be sober and well ruled, and to use measurably the benefits that God bestoweth upon us, the soul must not be forgotten, but we must feed upon the spiritual gifts to lead us to the heavenly life, and to maintain us in the hope thereof, until the full possession and fruition thereof be given us at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And hereupon St. Paul addeth that we should talk together in songs and hymns, and also that the same should be done with the heart. Because the tongue would but unhallow God's word, if the mind match not with the speech. Now, whereas he saith that we must talk together in hymns, praisings, and songs, it is to correct all fond talk, whereunto we be too much given. For we see that all of us have, as it were, itching ears. There is none of us which is not well appaid to hear trifling bibble-babble. He that hath received it on the one side is ready to deliver out on the other side.
and so the day passeth away in things of nothing, or else our talk shall be wanton and loose, meet to infect good manners, and God shall be offended with it. Ye see, then, that the thing whereto men are too much inclined is that to please one another they banish all talk that may edify, and common of pelting trifles to move laughter, as they say. Now St. Paul, perceiving this vice to be over-common in the world, showeth us here the remedy of it, that is to wit, that we should talk one to another in songs and hymns, that is to say, that men might hear the praises of God at our mouths. And he pursueth still the similitude that he had used heretofore. For drunkards are not contented to become beasts themselves, but they do also draw others. And riot hath always this inconvenience with it, that men encourage one another to drinking, saying, Come on, let us eat and drink after the same manner that the prophet Isaiah speaketh of. For as much then as rioters, after they have well stuffed themselves, would that the same vice should range abroad everywhere, St. Paul saith on the contrary point, that when we have taken our repast of the gifts of God's Spirit, the same must not serve for ourselves only, but also to give refreshment and food to others that have need. The true feasting, therefore, which we ought to make one to another, to cheer ourselves well, is that he which hath profited in God's word, endeavour to deal some part and portion of it to his neighbours, according to his own measure. Now he openeth here songs, psalms, and hymns, which differ nothing at all one from another, and therefore I need not to busy myself in setting forth any curious distinction of them. For all cometh to this end, that all our mirth should ever tend to the glorifying of God. And surely we should take pleasure enough in the minding of God's grace, if we were not withheld by our own maliciousness. And it is a wonder to see how desirous every man is that God should show himself liberal and loving towards him. We would fain enjoy his benefits, and yet in the meanwhile we put the remembrance of them under foot, and labour, as much as is in us, even to bury them, and to our seeming the time is lost that is spent in acknowledging how many ways we be bound unto God, and yet notwithstanding it is the thing wherein we ought to occupy ourselves. It is the thing wherein our life ought to be chiefest employed. And soothly, if men were well advised, there is no mirth comparable to this, nor meat to be matched with it, namely, with the acknowledging of how many ways God hath witnessed his goodness and love towards us. For, as I said, it serveth to further us in the hope of the heavenly life. And undoubtedly none of the things that we receive at God's hand have any true savouriness unless we come to put our trust in him, and can call upon his name and flee to him for refuge, and yield him his due and deserved praise. And therefore let us mark well what is said here, namely, that when we talk one with another, we must always magnify God's name. True it is that we cannot attain to such perfectness in this life, but that we must be fain to have much communication of the needs whereunto we be subject, and of the doings and dealings which we have one with another, and of diverse things besides. But yet for all that the principal point must not therefore be let alone, and cast behind our backs, that is to wit, we must not for slow to acknowledge the benefits, whereby we be bound unto God, and thereby be provoked to praise Him, so as every of us not only do His duty in secret, but also draw one another to it by mutual example. That, therefore, is the pith of the things which we have to remember in this strain. Now, by the way, St. Paul doth us to understand that we must sing unto God in spirit, to the intent we imagine not to discharge ourselves as a number of hypocrites do which magnify God alone with their tongue, having their hearts full of coldness still within. Here, therefore, he setteth down two things which ought not to be put asunder. 
The one is that we should sing unto God, and the other is that we should talk with our neighbours. The whole ground, then, of our matter is that the benefits which God hath bestowed upon us should be commended, and that the remembrance of them should provoke us to love him and serve him, and to give ourselves wholly to him, to seek him and to know that to cleave unto him is our full happiness. That is the ground of the matter that St. Paul setteth us down here. Now, first of all, we must, saith he, sing unto God, and that cannot be done but with the heart. For we know that God accepteth not anything which is not agreeable to his own nature. Then, if we will so sing as he may allow of it, and as he may accept our songs, we must go to it with a hearty affection. For if there be any counterfeiting in our doings, so as we make a great show before men, and in the meanwhile be niggardly in our hearts, and have no zeal at all, so as all is done but for fashion's sake, surely we unhallow God's name in so doing. And even for the same did he say by his prophet Isaiah, that such as came near him only with their lips were far off from him in their hearts. Therefore let us mark well how it is said here that to sing God's praises, the heart must go before, and as he would say, make a thundering within. For it is the chief melody that can be, and therein we agree with the angels of heaven. For if the mouth speak alone, surely it is but flat mockery. And although men allow of us for it, yet doth God refuse our paying of him with such coin, that is to say with follies and things of nothing. Notwithstanding, when we shall have been zealous in the praising of God, and he can well be our judge and witness, that we lay open our hearts before him, then must we also do our duty towards our neighbours, that every man may be encouraged and told forward by our example. And here we see first of all how little account is made of God nowadays. For the countenance that men make of singing his praises is but a howling and yelling. It is one of the grossest abuses in papistry, that they think that God ought to hold himself well appaid when they have barked at their parchment, as they say. But in so doing the Holy Scripture is unhallowed, torn in pieces, yea, and utterly falsified. Howsoever the case stand, there is neither advisedness, wit, nor understanding in their doings, for it is enough with them that the throat hath yelled it out aloud. Yea, and even among us too it is certain that such as pretend to set forth God's praises do commonly seek nothing but to glorify themselves by it, and keep back the principle in making countenance to pay God some piece of their arrearages. Again, let us consider how cold and slender this exercise of talking one to another in songs, hymns, and praises of God is among us. For hardly can one word be wrung out of us that may edify. Lewd talk can by no means be banished from us. All the world shall hear us sing unchaste and ribaldy songs, and such things cannot be plucked out of men's minds. But then ought this matter to be raised out of the Holy Scripture? Howsoever the case stand, if men pardon themselves, they shall answer for it before God, according to the sentence that St. Paul pronounceth here by the authority of God, and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And by the way, let us mark that his touching of three words here together, which import all one thing, is not for naught. It is to show that we shall have enough wherewith to entertain one another, if we acknowledge the sundry benefits that God hath bestowed upon us, as becometh us. If variety delight man, let us consider how many ways God layeth forth the treasures of his goodness towards us. Look how many there be of them, so many songs are there, and if we had a hundred melodies to delight us in all these things that we occupy ourselves about, it were nothing in comparison of the inestimable diversity of benefits which we receive at God's hand. St. Paul, therefore, 
hath here corrected our unthankfulness by adding these diverse words, to show that it must needs be that we be too dull if we be not moved when our Lord stirreth us up so many ways, seeing we cannot set our mind unto anything, but his benefits must needs come in our sight. For the same cause also he addeth, yielding always thanks, as if he said that if we were well advised, the continual repeating of God's praises and the harping upon them should never grieve us nor weary us. And why? Seeing that God continueth his benefiting of us, is it not reason that there should be an answerableness on our part to hold out in doing him honour for his good turns? Doth any one day pass wherein we receive not at the least a hundred good turns at God's hand? Now it is meet that we should think that when we have thanked him a twice or thrice for the great number of benefits which we receive of him all our life long, we have leisure to occupy ourselves otherwise ever after. When, as our Lord reneweth and refresheth the remembrance of his goodness, were it not meet that we should be moved by it? Therefore it behoveth us always to mark well this saying, whereby St. Paul declareth that we be too too unmindful of God, if we be not provoked to acknowledge his benefits from year to year, from mooneth to mooneth, from day to day, from hour to hour, and to yield him the sacrifice that he requireth of us, which is that we should protest ourselves to be wholly at his will, to be beholden to him for all good things, and that it is impossible for us to perform the hundredth part of our duty, according as we hear how David saith, What recompense shall I yield unto the Lord for all the good that he hath done me? I will receive the cup of salvation and call upon his name. And in the fortieth psalm he saith expressly that the order which God keepeth in governing us is so wonderful a thing as it passeth the hairs of our heads in number, insomuch that we must needs be amazed at it. And therefore, seeing we cannot come at the infinite goodness of God, though we endeavour to apply all our wits thereunto, at leastwise let us aim towards it. And like as we see that God is never weary of showing himself liberal towards us, but floweth continually as a fountain, yea, even by so many streams as are able to satisfy us in all things, let us also show continually without ceasing how much we be bound and beholden to so good and kind-hearted a father. And he addeth yet further that we must thank God for all things, whereby he doth us to wit that all men are too blockish, in that they consider not how many ways God allureth and spurreth them, notwithstanding the slothfulness that is in them. As if he should say, My friends, considering how much we be bound unto God, both in respect of our bodies and in respect of our souls, can we comprehend it? No, it is not possible, for we have too small and narrow a wit. And when we have after a sort comprehended God's benefits, yet have we not tongue to express nothing near how much we be bound unto him. So then, of whom is it long that we be so cold? that as soon as we have spoken but one word we think it is enough, and that we be discharged until another time, and return to it again as slowly as may be. Whereof cometh such slackness, even of our shutting of our eyes? Although God show us by all means that it becometh us to be occupied in blessing his holy name, yet will we not see it one whit. Again, as touching the body, we bear ourselves on hand that our goods come to us either by our own cunning, or by good fortune, or by favour of the world, as for God, he is always let alone, and as for his goodness, we think not on it. Now then, when we intend to do our duty in yielding God his due praise, which is the chief sacrifice that he requireth, as I said afore, let us have regard to consider better what we be and what our state is, and how we be subject to so many necessities, as God must be fain to succour us infinite ways. 
And when we have considered our wretchedness both in body and soul, and on the contrary part also considered how God provideth for all, and suffereth us not to have any penury without relief at his hand, surely we shall have wherewith to continue the praising of his holy name without ceasing. And St. Paul will have us not only to thank God for the benefits which we feel apparently, but also, although he afflict us and handle us diverse times otherwise than we would, yet will he have us to praise him still after the example of Job, who, as we see, not only thanked God when he had his children at his table, and they made merry and feasting one another, but also when he was bereft of his issue, and left desolate in his house, when all his goods were taken away, partly by robbers and partly by lightning that fell from heaven, and when he was so miserable as it seemed that lice should eat him up, he ceased not to say, The Lord hath given, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." So then St. Paul showeth us that even in our sorrows, and when we receive chastisements that are rough and bitter to us, yet let us not grudge against God, but rather persevere in praising his name, as he exhorteth us in another place, where he saith that in praying to him we must always praise him. Although we have not the things that we crave, and that in our petitions we show ourselves to want this and that, and are pinched with grief and care, yet must thanksgiving be mingled still with our prayers. There are a great number that pray unto God, but yet they do but provoke God's wrath, because they intermingle their grudgings and repinings, gnashing their teeth at him. They will indeed say, My God, help me. But which is that God? If they could pluck him out of heaven, they would do it with all their heart, to the end he might have no more power over them. Ye see then that a number, thinking to pray unto God, do but provoke him to wrath, because their requests are full of pride, spitefulness, and defiance. And therefore St. Paul telleth us to the Philippians that all our petitions and requests must be matched with thanksgiving, to show that we do patiently abide to be governed by the hand of God. Likewise in this text he saith that we must thank God for all things, not only when we be in prosperity, and all things fall out as we would wish, so as God giveth us our heart's desire and we live in delight and pleasure. That is not the only fit time and season to yield praise unto God, but although he scourge us, yet must we acknowledge that he procureth our salvation and welfare by that means. Let us see then if we have not cause to bless God in all our adversities. Yes, for first whatsoever betide us, he beareth with us, insomuch that if he should touch us, but with one of his fingers in good earnest, we should be overwhelmed at the first blow. Seeing then that we hold out, it is a token that he spareth us, and have not we cause to thank him for it. Again, when he turneth his chastisings to our benefit, for that he purgeth us by that means, to further us continually thereby to the kingdom of heaven, and to lift us up, because we be too much tied to the world, to the end we should be gathered together, to come to the full perfection that is prepared for us in heaven. When we see all this, have we not cause to praise our God, notwithstanding, that we be full of grief, care, fear, and doubts. Yes, certainly, but that our own unthankfulness hindereth it. So much the more behoveth it us to mark well the thing that St. Paul telleth us here, namely that we have cause to praise God without end or ceasing. And if our mouth be stopped sometimes with grief, so as we seem to be barred from praising God, and we cannot apply ourselves freely thereunto, let us understand that God never showeth himself so rough and rigorous towards us, but that he assuageth the bitterness which is in our afflictions to the intent to draw us unto him, and that we might thank him and glorify him for it. Forasmuch as we receive no grace, but by the means of our Lord Jesus Christ, who doth also turn the corrections to our welfare, which we should suffer as punishments for our sins, 
Therefore it is said that we should yield thanks to our God and Father, namely by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he setteth down on the one side God the Father, and afterward showeth how God is our Father in all respects, that is to wit, by means of the Mediator, through whom we be reconciled unto him. And he hath so put away all our sins, that whatsoever things we can endure in this world are all furtherances of our salvation, as is said of them in the epistle to the Romans. And here we have to mark, first of all, that without faith we cannot praise God as we ought to do, insomuch that whatsoever praises we sing with our mouth, all is but feigning and hypocrisy, except we be thoroughly persuaded that God is our Father. And mark here what is meant by faith. It is not as the papists suppose it, namely to believe that there is a God in heaven, and in the meanwhile to know no wit of his will. But St. Paul telleth us, we must be thoroughly resolved that God accepteth us for his children, or else we shall never be able to praise him with a pure and free affection. And how may that be done? But by being grounded upon the free adoption wherewith he taketh us to him for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. For is it by inheritance or for any worthiness of ours that God is our Father and we his children? Alas, no, but clean contrariwise. We be called the children of wrath, and God must needs disclaim us, because there is nothing but sin and wickedness in us. Then, until we come to our Lord Jesus Christ, it is certain that we cannot be sure of God's favour, nor that he will accept our service. And therefore St. Paul, having said that we must yield thanks unto God in and for all things, because he is our Father, doth justly add that it is done by our Lord Jesus Christ. Then let us understand that all they which are afraid of God's majesty, and cannot trust him, nor rest upon the promises of his favour, to call upon him as their father, can never praise him. Indeed, they may well use some ceremonies, but all shall be but leasing. Therefore, whensoever we will pray unto God, and yield him praise and thanks, faith must lead the way. Mark that for one point. Howbeit, as I said afore, it is impossible for us to be grounded in any certainty of faith to take God for our Father until we know that we be made one in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that forasmuch as we be members of his body, we be also partakers of the benefits that he hath purchased, so as his death and passion are our righteousness, his holiness our cleansing from all our own defilements, and the sacrifice which he hath offered doth set us clear, and draw us out of the damnation wherein we were, and finally hath set us free from the bondage of sin, and purchased us full righteousness. Forasmuch as we have all these things in our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore ought we also to give thanks unto God by his means. And that is the cause why the papists cannot frame so much as one request that God alloweth. Yea, and in very deed they be as good as dumb, for though a man may hear hymns and canticles now, as they term them, among them, yet cannot God be praised at their hands. For although they wind up all things with this saying, By our Lord Jesus Christ, yet do they not believe that God is merciful to them, neither are they worthy of it, because they disclaim our Lord Jesus Christ, and do so entangle him with patrons and advocates of their own forging, as a man cannot discern him from others, insomuch that they coop him up in a corner, or else set him behind in the rearward while in the meantime there is hunting after the merits and intercessions of saints, and that is their trust, that is the mother of their devilish presumption, namely that they can make amends for their sins and redeem themselves. But as for us, when it is told us that we must thank God in all things, it is to the end that we should always abase ourselves. And for that cause did I say that faith openeth us the way as well to pray unto God, as also to give him thanks for the benefits that we have received at his hand. 
Now hereupon St. Paul addeth that we must be subject one to another in the fear of Christ, or in the fear of God, for any of both will fit the text well enough. In saying that we must be subject, he showeth that like as God will have his children to exercise themselves in his praises, so also he will not have them to be unprofitable here beneath, but to serve one another's turn. For inasmuch as we be not able to do God either good or harm, therefore is he contented that we do but praise his name. For though we employ all our ability, what is there in us wherewith to enrich God or to advantage him? For he giveth us all things, and needeth nothing himself. Therefore is it an inestimable goodness, in that he quitteth us of all that we can owe him. So we protest ourselves to be so greatly beholden unto him, as we cannot discharge ourselves of it. Then, if we come with all humility, and confess the bond wherein we stand bound unto God, it is the payment that he requireth of us, and for his own part he seeks no more. But yet he will have us serviceable one to another, and not to seek our private profit in such wise as to forget that we be knit together in one mutual bond of charity. That is the thing whereunto he intendeth to bring us now in this text. Now a man might think it strange at the first blush, that he should say, we ought to be subject one to another. For it seemeth not meet that the father should be subject to his children, the husband to his wife, or the magistrate to the people whom he governeth, yea, or that even they also, which be equal in degree, should be subject one to another. But if we look well upon all things, we shall find that St. Paul hath not without cause put all Christians under this subjection. But why? The magistrates, which are advanced in authority and glory above other men, are bound, nevertheless, to those whom they govern, for they be not ordained rulers for their own sakes, but for the commonwealth's sake. For God, ordaining of principalities, kingdoms, and states, was not to the end that some should have preeminence above others, but for that it is for our behoof to have some bridle to hold us in obedience under laws, and to have some power and authority over us, and to stand in fear and awe of magistrates, because we cannot forbear such a remedy. Seeing then that God hath set magistrates in such state, it is certain that they be therefore subject to those whom they ought to serve in reigning over them. As much is to be said of fathers. It is true that the father ought to be honoured of his children, yet notwithstanding, for as much as it is an honourable title, it shall cost them right dear, if they govern not their households discreetly. And in that government there is also subjection. Likewise is it between the husband and the wife, for... Is it not a subjection that the husband beareth with the frailty of his wife, and hath the discretion to forbear rigour towards her, holding her as his companion, and taking upon him a part of her burden both in sickness and in health? Is not that a subjection? Yes. Not without cause, then, doth St. Paul pronounce here generally, that all they which will prove themselves faithful must be subject one to another, namely, every man in his state and degree." Let them that are highly advanced consider well that God's advancing of them is to the end they should the willinglier submit themselves to bear the pains and cares that belong to their office, and let such as are inferiors understand that they ought much rather to humble themselves and to bear the yoke that is laid upon their neck, and let such as are equals and fellows, unless they will needs be as wood-beasts and are loath to maintain any courtesy among them, nevertheless consider that every man ought to bear with his neighbours, and is not this a subjection? We cannot live one with another without forbearing. Now surely all forbearing importeth bondage, therefore must we be served for necessity's sake. According whereunto it is said in another place that we must owe nothing but that which charity bindeth us unto. 
And herein we see what a stateliness it is, when any man shall say, What owe I unto you? It is true that men may well upbraid one another, that they owe them no duty, but they must step yet further. And that is the cause why St. Paul setteth down the fear of our Lord Jesus Christ, or of God, as if he should say, If we were here without a God, and that every man would get along by himself, we might well hold scorn one of another, and say, I pass not for thee. Truly, yet were it a great and intolerable folly to say, I pass not for thee. For the richest man that can be devised doth notwithstanding stand in need of a hundred folks' helps, yea, of all men's help. Then is it a great overstateliness to thrust away our neighbours after that fashion, under colour that they can neither boot us nor hurt us. And it is apparent that we be too blind in so doing. But put the case, we might say, I pass not for thee, I owe thee nothing. Yet must we come to God, who is our head. For when he did put us into this world, he linked us together, and would have us to serve one another in charity. And we know there is none other bond of perfection but charity, and charity bringeth a bondness with it. So then, although I owe a man nothing in respect of himself, yet do I owe him somewhat, as in respect of God. And that is the thing whereto St. Paul bringeth us back, as if he should say, Consider with yourselves that ye were not created and put into the world, but with condition that ye should serve every man his neighbours. Otherwise, if ye shrink aside one from another, it is like as if ye would cut asunder the sinews of the body, to the intent it should fall in pieces, yea, and that our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our head, might have no more to do with us. They then, that will needs play the wild beasts, and cannot find in their hearts to stoop to any bondness to their neighbours, must go live abroad in the wild woods, for they be not worthy to live among men. For we see how God hath knit us together, and thereby separated us from the brute beasts, and yet notwithstanding bound us one to another. Now if we will needs shake off this yoke, is it not a plain berraying that we think not ourselves beholden for anything to our Lord Jesus Christ? and that we be loath to be ruled by his hand, or to submit ourselves to the order whereunder he hath put us, and which he would have to be kept without breaking. So then, forasmuch as every of us is so wedded to himself that we cannot submit ourselves one to another, let us bear in mind that which St. Paul hath set down for us here. For it is the very source that will make us find taste in this doctrine, that is to wit, that if we fear God and can find in our hearts to submit ourselves quietly to his will, it must not grieve us, neither must we think it irksome and strange that every of us should serve them whom he is bound to serve, and by that means so maintain his degree, as we may all link together under our head Jesus Christ, and attain to the heavenly glory which he hath purchased for us. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us so to feel them, as it may draw us to true repentance, and make us to profit in it from day to day, and to examine our miseries in such wise as we may be moved to call upon our God for remedy, that he may cleanse us and defend us from them, until he have brought us to the perfection of righteousness, which we ought to labor for, and from which we be yet far off, and in the meanwhile he so bear with us as we may not cease to have the privilege of calling upon him as his children, and also have wherefore to thank him through our Lord Jesus Christ, because he hath by his Holy Spirit sealed the adoption in our hearts, whereby he holdeth us fast to him, and that we may so persevere in faith and hope, as we may ever persist in acknowledging the manifold benefits which he addeth one upon another, and learn to receive them so at his hand, as they may be made holy unto us both by faith and thanksgiving. 
that it may please him to grant this peace not only to us, but also to all people and nations of the earth, etc. End of Sermon 38